0: All right, Merry, Merry Christmas, my favorite time of the year. And, you know, as you watch the video, especially the incredible things that we were able to do in Puerto Rico, we challenge everybody every Christmas to give their greatest gift. And that's what this little red uh, envelope is about, is for us to give our greatest gift to Christ. And I was thinking about that this week, and I wrote this down in my journal, that your greatest gift will never be something you receive but something that you give, especially if there's a sacrifice involved. I remember when Steph and I, I think it was our, either our first Christmas, maybe it was our second Christmas, but um, we didn't have any money, you know, we were just starting out and we, I, I, we promised, you know, we're not gonna get you each other gifts, you know, just something a little small and Christmas morning and it was the first time, you know, not being around family. And uh, so we gave each other a gift, but I, she was working at Belks and there was this suede coat, full length suede coat that I just really wanted to get her. And so I figured out a way in which to get it, kind of hid it underneath the couch. And so we have to read open our gifts. I'm like, ah, look what I found. And I, I pulled it out and I gave it to her. And I just remember the feeling of giving her something that I had sacrificed in order to be able to give. It was a purple full length suede coat may have been ugly for all I know but she acted like it was pretty and it it, it, just great joy your greatest gift really is not about what you receive but it's about what you what you give and I was watching some YouTube videos this week and I come to a realization that there are a lot of people in this world that all want the very same thing for Christmas let's watch. Don't just lift it up. Okay. Oh no, oh <laughs> <laughs> don't cry. Mm, don't you feel bad for not getting your puppy for your child, right? Shame, shame, shame. On you. Right. That, that I remember. That's the way I felt as I was watching that uh, video a few moments ago in Puerto Rico. That I am able to be a part of a family that's giving uh, folks, whether it be food or toys or a generator, giving them something that brings them great, great joy. And potential church has never been a wealthy church, and so uh, our greatest gift together is really, really making a difference. So thank you for being. A part of that you know we've been this Christmas talking about the big journey from Chicago to LA on Route 66 it's about 2,500 miles and in the early 30s 40s even in the 50s most of the people who got on that road were looking for a better life there had been a huge drought Um, in Oklahoma and all the Midwest people had lost their homes they had lost their savings and so they loaded uh, what they had up in a car and they headed west in hopes believing that something better might be out there and I was thinking you know that's why I believe in Christmas Uh, there's something better And I want us to talk about that this weekend. I believe in Christmas. And I think the place to start, of course, is a Christmas story. It's found in Luke chapter 2. Let me read it. You may be familiar. It says, and at that time, the Roman emperor, Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken since Q was governor of Syria all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, which was David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him, of course, Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and she laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them, no room in the inn. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep, and suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, and it's interesting how many times in the Christmas story somebody's afraid but the angel reassured them you don't have to be afraid and this is what we talked about last weekend if you happen to be here i bring you good news that will bring great joy for all people would you say that with me good news great joy let's say it like you're happy good news great joy. all people the savior the rescuer yes the messiah the lord has been born today in bethlehem the city of david And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find the baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. Good news, great joy for all people. And we talked last week about what the good news was and how it brought great joy and how it was for all people. But when you study the life of Jesus, you realize that the Christmas story is not just for all people. That the Christmas story is more personal than that. The Christmas story is about you. And Jesus said himself in John chapter 10 and verse 10, look at what Jesus says. He says, but I have come. When did he come? That very first Christmas morning. I came on Christmas to give who? What's it say? Give who? You. To give you everything in abundance. I mean, that's some pretty good news. More than you expect. Life in its fullness until you overflow. So it's not just good news, great joy for everyone, it's for you this Christmas, when we believe in Christmas. And then he personal, it makes it even more personal when he talks about God speaking. God says, you know what, I know what I'm doing. Now the fact that he says that must mean that there are times in our lives when we're not sure what's going on. He says, I know what I'm doing, I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of who? You. Not abandon who? You. Plans to give you a future and you, the future you hoped for. Now, think about that. I know there was a time when you believed in a dream. When you had something within your heart that got you up in the morning You just were believing today's the day when the opportunity is going to come. Today's the day when I'm going to get the phone call, when the email is going to come, when I'm going to get the promotion, a dream, something that made your heart beat fast, something that caused you to read books that you never thought that you would read, talk to people that you never thought you would have talked uh, to. A dream, a destiny, a purpose, something of value and of importance, And that's exactly what Christmas is about. Jesus says, I have come to give you, to give you a dream, to put a dream in your heart, something you've been planning and thinking. I know for me, um, when I was still in college, you know, I played basketball in high school and college and overseas, and I dreamed, I got excited about being a coach. And I would read every book on coaching, I'd go to, you know, all the camps, I had, folders of plays that I was going to run as a coach. I had uh, a lot of the drills that I was going to do as a coach. And I thought about how, how am I going to to challenge the kids to to believe that their life can have impact beyond basketball. And I just remember dreaming, uh, talking with people about what it would be like. And as I was finishing up college, getting my degree in education and in coaching, God tapped me on the shoulder um, and said, I, I want to nudge you. I want you to follow me into ministry now. I wasn't near as confident I, I hadn't planned on that. I hadn't thought about it didn't know exactly what I was, you know, what what did that does that mean? but Steph and I were volunteering at Finch Baptist Church in the middle of nowhere uh, Arkansas just a little small town Again, God began to to bring in an excitement and a passion. Steph and I began to fall in love with the kids, the few kids that God had that were a part of that church and how we could teach them. And I know you have a same kind of story, something that you've dreamed. Now, maybe it's been a while. Maybe, like, in the Christmas story, in your life, there is a but then, because that's what happens in this Christmas story. I put it in your outline outline Mary and Joseph if you think about it right the Bible says they were good people they were godly people Joe came from a good family and if you've ever have you ever been around people in love they just have all these little conversations. They can be in the midst of a million people and they're just in one another's world and, and, and they're talking about the future. And then somebody says, will you marry me? And I do, and now we gotta go get the big magazines with all the dresses and all the tuxedos and there's all this planning that has to happen. And there's all this talk and there's all this excitement. Well, Joe and Mary had to be doing the same things. They're gonna get married. I can just imagine the long conversations they had about what was their future going to be? What would their kids look like one day? Where would they live? Who are they going to invite? Well, look what the story, because then there's a but then. It says in verse 18, this is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. So you've got all this excitement, all this dreaming, all this believing that they're going to have a great life together. The very next word, though, is what? But. But then something happens. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant. Now, can you imagine how that went over? They met up at Starbucks to, you know, get the invitation list. And she's like, hey, Joe, you know, before we decide who we're going to invite to the, to the wedding, <laughs> I'm going to have a baby. And Joe knew it wasn't his. So he's like, what? You can imagine he kind of glanced over the barista Maybe. I mean, what what, what are you talking about? And all of a sudden, all of this dream now is broken. And in the place of excitement and passion and intentionality, there's just brokenness. And how do you think Joseph responded? He's like, what? And look at what Mary says. She became pregnant. She's like, Joe, don't worry. It's the Holy Spirit. Now, do you think Joseph believed that? you're pregnant it's not the barista it's the Holy Spirit right we know Joe didn't believe it because verse 19 Joseph whom she was engaged was a righteous he was a good dude and did not want to disgrace her publicly so he decided to break the engagement quietly she's like come on Mary I don't believe that quit your lying and so he decides this is not going to work all the dreaming I, I don't believe in that anymore I don't believe we are supposed to be together. I don't believe in our future. I don't believe in our destiny. I I just I don't believe it. It says in verse 20 as he considered this the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph son of David the angel said and there's there it is again do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Joseph what Mary told you was the truth. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save the people from their sins. And then the rest of this scripture, I actually put in your outline, because I want you to understand why it's there. It says all of this brokenness, all of this pain occurred to fulfill the Lord's message to the prophet. It says, look The virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's what Isaiah said, the prophet, in chapter 7 of his own book. And then in verse 24, it says, when Joseph woke up, he did. Don't miss that. He did as the angel the Lord commanded him. He didn't understand it, but he, he did it. And I thought, you know what? There's a lot of times in our lives where we look at the image of the future, and when we look into the mirror, we see an incredible relationship, see love. Maybe we see kids one day. Maybe we see a business that we're going to start. We, we see a financial breakthrough that we're going to experience. We see new experiences and travel, and we look into the mirror, and we see all of those things. But just like in the Christmas story, there is a But then, and something enters into our our relationship. And when you look at it now, you don't see the same thing. The future doesn't look the same. The marriage doesn't look the same. Finances, how could that ever happen? I mean, I'm in so much debt. There is brokenness. Brokenness great dreams, but into these dreams comes doubt. Because when we look into the mirror, we, we no longer see what we once saw. And that's exactly where some of us are this Christmas. I had big dreams at one time. But something happened, and because it has happened, you have begun to doubt. As I thought about this, I wrote in my own journal, what seemed like the end for Joseph and Mary And you and me was actually a sign of God's faithfulness because remember what the angel said it said, this brokenness has happened Why so that the prophecy must be might be fulfilled? Now I I want us to give you a little context of what that have you ever wondered what that prophecy is about? Well, we go back to Isaiah chapter 7 We find a world Well, here's a map of what the world looked like or at least the Middle East during the time when Isaiah 7 this prophecy was written now. I want you to notice after King Solomon Israel as you and I know it was divided into two kingdoms Remember Israel is made up of 12 tribes Well the top uh, 10 tribes or not the top but the 10 tribes made up what was known as Israel. It's in the blue There were two tribes that made up what is in the yellow, which was Judah So now instead of one united Israel, you have Israel to the north and you have Judah to the south. I want you to notice two other nations. The first one, if you look up in the right-hand corner, you see the word Damascus. That is the capital of the Syria nation. Syria, okay? Syria and Israel attacked Judah. Ahaz was a wicked man but a religious man. He was the king of Judah. And so Israel and Syria attacked Judah. Historians believe the reason is so that Judah would join Israel and Syria in standing against a ah, with an A, a Syria. But Ahaz, the king of Judah, well, he had a plan of his own. But in Isaiah chapter 7, God comes to Ahaz and says, Ahaz, you don't have to worry about Israel, and you don't have to worry about Syria. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to protect you. He goes even further, and he says, you know what? Israel and Syria will not even be around in a decade. And he was telling the truth. Because they weren't. They were gone. He, he says, I, I want you to trust me, Ahaz. I want you to trust that I am going to protect you. And he says, I I want you to trust me to the point. Ask me and I'll give you a sign. I'll show you that I am trustworthy. That I can and will protect you. And that is when we read Isaiah chapter 7. Now let's look at it. It says, later the Lord sent this message to King Ahaz. Ask the Lord your God for a sign of confirmation, Ahaz. Let me confirm to you that I will protect you from Syria and Israel. he says, make it as difficult as you want. As high as heaven or as deep as the place of the dead. Whatever it is, I will confirm it. But the king, Ahaz, refused. He said, no, 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 no. I will not test the Lord like that. I'm not going to tempt the Lord. In other words, he gives a religious talk. But he doesn't want God help. And the reason he doesn't want God's help, because in order to experience God's promise or God's help, well, he has to surrender to God. And he's already made a plan. He's going to ask Assyria to help him. And if you know history, it, it didn't go very well for King Ahaz. If you read verse 13, it says, then Isaiah said to King Ahaz, listen, you royal family of David. Isn't it enough that you exhaust human patience? In other words, the people in your kingdom, you're driving them crazy. He says, must you exhaust the patience of my God as well? And then he, we're going to read the prophecy that we just read in the book of Matthew. All right then, the Lord himself, God says, I'll give you a sign even if you don't want one. And what was the sign God gave him? Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and you will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now here's the question if you're listening at all that you have. Jesus is not born to 700 years after this. So how in the world could that prophecy be an encouragement to Ahaz? Because it does, hasn't happened, doesn't happen for 700 years. Why would Ahaz go, oh, God is going to protect me? Well, You need to understand that throughout the Old Testament, God entered into a covenant or a promise saying that he would deliver them, that the Messiah would come, the rescuer would come. Jesus would come, and Jesus would come through the tribe of Judah. Ahaz was the king of Judah, in which God promised Jesus, the Messiah, would come. But he hasn't come yet. He doesn't come for 700 years. So what was God saying? He was saying, I keep my promises, King Ahaz, And I have promised a Messiah through the tribe of Judah that Messiah hasn't come yet. So guess what? You're going to be around until my promise is fulfilled. You, You don't have to worry about Israel or you don't have to worry about Syria. Why? Because once I say something, I do it. And you know what? This Christmas, many of us are in the same situation as King Ahaz. You have to make the decision whether or not you're going to believe, believe, act upon God's promise or what you feel. Because when you look into the brokenness of your life, what you feel is doubt. I mean, how are you going to start your business? How are you ever going to get out of debt? How are you ever going to restore your marriage? How are you going to gain the trust of your kids again? you got all this brokenness. How are you ever going to find healing? The doctor said there's no cure. And so when you look into the mirror of your life, all you feel is doubt where once there was belief. And the question this Christmas is, are you going to believe the promises of Christmas or what you're feeling? See, because Christmas demands that we believe three things. And I want to share those with you real quickly. This Christmas, we are challenged to believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. I believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. It's what was prophesied 700 years beforehand in the book of Isaiah. And it's what Luke chapter 1 says. When the angel came and said, Mary, guess what? You're going to have a baby. Look at how, what Mary said. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel said, well, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so that the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. And then look what Mary does. Same thing Joseph did. Mary said, I am the Lord's servant, and I will do whatever he wants. She says, I look into the mirror, and I just see the brokenness of this relationship. How am I going to be pregnant? But I will do what God has asked me to do. See, a lot of times people are like, well, the virgin birth, there's been conversations, not just modern times, but all throughout history. You know, was Mary really a virgin? And and then some folks will be like, well, it's not really a big deal. I mean, Jesus was born. He's a historical figure. Does it really matter whether or not Mary was a virgin? And it does. Because, see, if Jesus would have had an earthly father and an earthly mother, then Jesus himself would have been human and not God. As God, though, Jesus is all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere at one time. In other words, if... Jesus, born of a virgin, Mary and the Holy Spirit, is born as God. And as God, he can do the miraculous about your brokenness. And as you, again, hear the, or look at the ministry of Jesus in Matthew 17, he's, him and his boys are talking about, you know, what God can do. And he says, humanly speaking... Humanly speaking, when you look into the brokenness of your life, it is impossible to believe that you'll ever get that business off the ground, that you'll ever get that promotion. You don't have the education. You have failed too many times, that you'll ever reconcile your marriage. After all, you cheated on him or her. How could your kids ever respect you again? In other words, just humanly impossible. Impossible. That's why you doubt. It only makes sense. And that's exactly what Jesus said. He says, when you look into the mirror this Christmas, it is humanly impossible. But remember, it's Christmas. I believe that Jesus was born of a virgin, and therefore, but with God, everything is possible. In other words, no matter how much brokenness there is, God is big enough to bring about restoration Jesus is God, and therefore he can redeem our brokenness. He can even leverage our brokenness to propel us into our future. So Christmas demands that we believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. But secondly, Christmas demands that we believe Jesus was a man. Hebrews chapter 2 teaches this. It says, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood for only as a human being could he Jesus die and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death and only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying therefore it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us his brothers his sisters as humans so that he Jesus could be our merciful and faithful high Priest before God then he, Jesus, could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of his people. Now, I want you to not miss verse 18. Since he himself, Jesus, has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are tested. See, not only was he born of a virgin, therefore being God, but he was also a man, and as a man, he suffered and he died. See, if Jesus were not a man, then he could not have died. And had he not died, he could have never defeated death. And if death had not been defeated, then you would have no hope. Because this would be all that there is. Paul, though, said, death, where is your sting? He's like, I'm not afraid of you anymore. Because the same power that brought Jesus out of the grave in three days will also bring about a resurrection in your life and in my life. See, he was a man, and he defeated death. But not only that, as a man, he knows what this feels like. He knows what it's like to be tempted, stabbed in the back, forgotten about, talked about. He knows my pain. He knows my hurt. He knows the things that I struggle with. Why? Because he has walked in your shoes, and he has walked in my shoes. So think about it. I believe in Christmas. Why? Because you have this all-powerful, born-of-a-virgin God that, as a man, understands my hurt. I wrote it like this. He knows our pain and our brokenness, and he has the power to do something about it. It's incredible. Christmas also demands that we believe, that Jesus believes in me. See, I believe that Jesus believes in me, which is an incredible statement. You know why? Because I know me. <laughs> See, I only know the outside you. And for, you know, some of you smile. you got a pretty good outside. Some of you, you know me only by the outside. But God knows you. He knows me. And even though he knows me, he knows my brokenness. And he knows my doubt. He doesn't doubt me. He believes in me. See, there may not be anybody else that believes in you. You've just screwed up too many times. Your spouse doesn't believe in you anymore. Your kids don't believe in you anymore. Your parents don't believe in you anymore. Your supervisor doesn't believe. They let you go. There may not be another person walking on planet Earth that believes in you, but I can tell you based upon the scripture that Jesus believes in you. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, We, you, have become his, God's poetry. Some translations say his masterpiece god's masterpiece a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he jesus has given each of us in other words the dream that you once had in your heart was given to you by god the very one who knit you together in your mother's womb so that you could accomplish something of significance he believes in you and he believes in the dream and its accomplishment in you no matter what you may see in this mirror. No matter what brokenness you may be experiencing in this moment. And God believes in you to the point that he's going to give you authority. Now that, that, that's that's a pretty big belief, isn't it? To give you authority over something he owns, his creation. I mean, think about it. What day is it that every child looks forward to. The day that you, as their parent, give them the keys. Right? Right? That's the big day. Oh, the keys. 16, the keys. And as you give that child those keys, what are you saying? You're saying, I believe in you. I am giving you authority over that which I own. Now disregard the GPS that I hid underneath it, okay? (laughs) But I believe. I believe in you. And that's exactly what Psalm 8 says. The first four verses of the psalm are, O Lord, our Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. Your glory is higher than the heavens. In other words, it talks about how big and great God is. And then it asks this question But what are we, mere mortals, that you should think about us? About human beings, that you should care for, for them, for us, for you. Yet you, God, made them humans, only a little lower than God, and you crowned them with glory and honor. Even though we're broken, you honor us. You gave them charge or authority. Over everything you made, putting all things under their authority. The flocks and the herds of all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, the fish in the sea, and everything that swims in the ocean currents. God believes in you. And our belief in these promises that he was born of a virgin, that he is or uh, a man, a God, a man, and that this God-man believes in you. Do you believe in Christmas? Because, see, belief is not just a mental an acknowledgment. It's not just saying, yeah, I believe, you know, a higher being, I believe, you know. No, 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 belief demands action. The belief demands that you get off the couch. The belief, me, belief demands that you and I live <laughs> what we say. Joseph and Mary acted on God's promise, not what they felt. Joe, your wife, is pregnant of the Holy Spirit. Go ahead and marry her. And what did Joe do? He did what he probably didn't feel like doing. He acted upon what God said, not what he saw. And Mary did the same thing. And you and I are challenged in the same way. Look at what the scripture says in James chapter 2. It says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, you sing the songs, you say Merry Christmas, you do all, just like King Ahaz, all the religious stuff, you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your, what's the next word? What? What? Look at it there. You don't show it by your what? Your actions. You say it, but you don't live it. Can that kind of faith save anyone? Can that kind of faith propel you through your brokenness? Can it bring healing to your brokenness? Scripture says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says otherwise you're only fooling yourself you're like king ahaz you're just playing church you're just pretending christmas not believing see believing demands action believing demands that you and i take our brokenness and we have to give it to him And it's not that God takes it away. In reality, what we do is we kind of pour it out before him. And then God challenges us to trust him. To believe in Christmas means to believe in what Paul said in Philippians chapter 4 in verse 13 where he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 it says that faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. See we all have brokenness in our lives. And we have to determine whether or not we're going to trust God's promises to walk with us through the brokenness or whether we're going to run away from it. Whether we're going to say, I believe, but I'm just going to stand right here. I mean, after all, that, that's broken glass. I mean, after all, my relationships, my finances, I mean, I, I'm i just going to wait for some. No, no, God calls us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7 to walk by faith, right? Not by sight, right? Scripture even says in Hebrews that it is impossible to please God without faith. One of my favorite stories. Now, the story that I'm reminded of is where there's a dad who has a lot of brokenness in his life. It's real. It can can cause pain. And he goes to the only place he knows. He goes to the religious leaders. He's like, can you help me with my son? And the religious leaders try, but they can't do anything about the brokenness. And so he's standing there in front of it. And Jesus shows up. And he runs up to Jesus and he says, Jesus, you see my son, you see my brokenness. He, he's sick, he's been sick forever. He tries to take his own life. He says, is there anything you can do? And I love this story. Because Jesus looks at the Father, because I, you know why I love it? Because I can identify with it. He, he looks at the Father and he says, no, no, the question is not Can I? I was born of a virgin I am God and I know your pain as a father because I am man the question is not can I he says the question is is do you believe bestowed was the greek word it means not to just give a mental assent to but it means to rest upon to put your faith upon And the dad says what I think all of us would say. We said it during the worship service when we feel that emotion. I believe, I believe God can restore my marriage. I believe God can break through financially. But then his son cries out. Then you you see the brokenness. You go home and you see the stack of bills right there on the counter. You go home and you're all alone because your spouse has walked away. You get a phone call from your son, and they're in trouble yet once again. And that dad says, I believe, but God, help me with my unbelief. Help me with my doubt. Hebrews 11, as I said, says, faith is the confidence that what we hope for, not might, not could, but will happen. It's acting as if it really is going to take place. I love what the scripture says in Romans. For it is by believing in your heart. Romans 10.10 Believing, pistuo, sitting down upon, living as, having confidence in. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by openly declaring your belief that you are salvaged or saved. So I want to... give you an opportunity to believe. Now I'm not gonna ask you to come and walk on some glass, but I am gonna ask you to act because that's what belief demands. And there are two different groups of people that are here this Christmas, right? There are some of us here and you have never believed in Christ. Sit down in Christ, totally trusted Christ. You're like Ahaz, you're religious. You've trusted in religion, but religion hasn't done anything with your brokenness you've trusted in your goodness you're a good dad or mom or son or daughter I mean you've trusted or believed in a lot of things but you've never believed in Christ this Christmas is your time to believe and then there are some of us who have trusted Christ but somewhere along the way the brokenness the but then has caused us to doubt and we've quit living as if the promises of God were true, and we've started living, kind of sat down in what we feel. This Christmas, why not believe? Why not act? So I'm gonna pray for us, and at the end of that prayer, I'm gonna invite you, if you find yourself in either one of those places, to come and join me to act, to move, here at the front, whether you're up there in the balcony or you're here on the floor. Not gonna do anything weird or crazy, we're just, just going to pray. Would you bow your head? With your head bowed and your eyes closed, this is not between you and anyone else, just you and God. As Soon as I say amen, don't wait to see what someone else is gonna do Or how someone else is going to respond as soon as I say amen as soon as your legs straighten out I invite you just to step out in faith in belief in the confidence that what you're responding to is true that Christmas is real and then we'll pray together father I pray that you would give us the courage that we need to believe to respond to have the confidence that it's real. For your glory, in Jesus' name,